This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. This is David Lang. I'm the Melvin Shim Professor of Law at the Duke Law School. I want to talk today about a report that was issued just two weeks ago by the Commerce Department in cooperation with the Patent and Trademark Office. The report was entitled Intellectual Property and the U.S. Economy, Industries in Focus. In the essence of the report, its thrust, in other words, is to disclose and to articulate, Commerce Secretary said for the first time, the nature of those industries in the United States which are most intellectual property intensive. And the report includes some conclusions about the meaning of what it is to say that these industries are intellectual property intensive. And I want to talk about those things. And then today and in the next one or two recordings to follow, I want to talk about the implications in this idea of intellectual property intensiveness. I want, if I can persuade you to join me, I want to distinguish among three ways of thinking about the relationship between industries and intellectual property. We could speak of an industry as intellectual property intensive, which is generally, though not always, what this report seems to do. We could speak of an industry as intellectual property reliant, which is sometimes what this report quite explicitly does, but not always. And then we could think about the question of whether an industry can ever be truly intellectual property dependent. So the words that I'm actually using or thinking about in the course of my comments today and the things that I hope to be able to share with you in the next two or three sessions. The words that I have in mind are intensive, reliant, and dependent. I think it's possible to say that an intellectual property intensiveness is a characteristic of an industry. I think it's possible to say that an industry is reliant on intellectual property. But I think it's quite different to say or to imply that an industry is dependent on intellectual property. Because at least in the last among these three propositions, there is a suggestion that we cannot do without intellectual property, that we have no alternative, in other words, but to pay attention to intellectual property and to turn to it in order to maintain whatever competitive edge an industry can hope to seek and have. Now, it's my contention, but I'll explore this with you more fully in a moment. It is my contention that there are probably no industries in the United States, indeed, probably no industries in the world that are truly intellectual property dependent. There are many that are intellectual property reliant, that is to say, that rely on intellectual property because it's there. And there are many more, or at least many, which are intellectual property intensive. In other words, industries in which the presence of intellectual property can be seen and understood and felt 
in many important ways. But again, I think it's not an easy thing to make the case for any industry anywhere in the world that is truly intellectual property dependent. And I mean to suggest that even in those circumstances in which the industry can be thought to be centered in what we think of as a free market economy. So that's the nature of what I want to talk about or begin to talk about today. But I want to begin by sharing with you some of the more important conclusions and assertions that appear in this report. I thought that I would read to you from the executive summary of this report, Intellectual Property and the U.S. Economy, Industries in Focus. And I thought that to begin with, I would simply take some of the more important conclusions that are reached in this report, and then we can begin to open those up in the time that we have available to us today, and as I say, in one or two recordings to follow. Here's the first thing that I think I'm drawing this from the report itself or from the executive summary. Here is the first thing that the executive summary calls to our attention, and it really is a striking proposition or set of propositions. Listen, direct employment, the report says, in the subset of most IP-intensive industries identified in this report amounted to 27.1 million jobs in 2010 while indirect activities associated with these industries provided an additional 12.9 million jobs throughout the economy in 2010 for a total of 40 million jobs, or 27.7% of all jobs in the economy. In other words, the report tells us that more than a fourth of all jobs in America are to be found in industries that are, as the report puts it, intellectual property intensive. Let me read another portion of this executive summary in order to elaborate on what is implied here. Again, I'm now quoting, because all U.S. industries rely on IP to some degree, the statistics reported here for the sectors that use IP most intensively may tend to underrepresent the broad impact of IP in the American economy. Moreover, the statistics reported here may not fully reflect the long-run economic benefits and costs of IP in promoting innovation and productivity growth. For example, while this report shows that employment in trademark-intensive industries is almost six times as great as employment in patent-intensive industries, it may be that the kinds of innovation protected by patents play a larger role in driving the long-run growth of productivity throughout the economy. A thoughtful set of caveats and something to be taken into account. In a footnote, the executive summary makes the point that some industries are, of course, intensive in the sense that they may rely on both trademark law and patent law or trademark law and copyright law or even on copyright and patent law. And because that's true, it's possible that you could overcount the number of jobs that are actually reflected in these industries. The report assumes that there are 27 million jobs that are the direct consequence of intellectual property intensive industries 
and another 13 million which benefit from intellectual property indirectly. Now, I have been a teacher for many years, and I was for years before that a student. So I know just how tedious it can be to listen to someone read, but there are data here that I do want to share with you, and I hope that you will forgive me if I do seem to lapse into a certain kind of tedium. In the end, I think, knowing what is to be found in this report will help us discuss the questions that really do deserve discussion and which are, I think, not tedious at all. They are difficult. I think they do not have clear answers, but they are things which I think we will want to consider. Here are the principal findings from the report. These principal findings, too, like the things that I've already read, I'm drawing upon from the executive summary. The first finding, the entire U.S. economy relies on some form of IP because virtually every industry either produces or uses it. And again, one would want to know in analyzing or responding to that proposition what it is to rely on some form of IP. Is it to say that all industries depend on it or that intellectual property is omnipresent or intensive in the industry? Or is it that the industry relies upon intellectual property because it's there? Here's another principal finding. IP-intensive industries accounted for, this is an astonishing figure, and I want to slow down and really invite you to zero in on what I am about to read. IP-intensive industries accounted for about $5 trillion in value added, or almost 35% of the entire U.S. gross domestic product in 2010. That's an astonishing claim and remarkable if true. Do primarily, this is yet another of the findings that I think it's worth sharing with you so that we have it in our minds as we talk further about what the significance of this report actually is. Do primarily to historic losses in manufacturing jobs, overall employment in IP intensive industries has lagged other industries during the last two decades. While employment in non-IP intensive industries was not quite 22% higher in 2011 than in 1990. Overall, IP-intensive industry employment grew 2.3% over the same period. Because patent-intensive industries are all in the manufacturing sector, they experienced relatively more employment losses over this period, especially during the past decade. Trademark-intensive industry employment edged down 2.3% by the end of this period, Copyright-intensive industries provided an employment boost growing by 46.3% between 1990 and 2011. Interesting figures. Copyright booming, the report says, in terms of jobs provided, while trademark-intensive industries actually declined. Now, I could go on reading for you some of these findings, but I want us now to back away from the report and try to put it in perspective. Do understand that this is an effort by the current administration to make claims on behalf of successes that it has had in generating employment and in turning around a very difficult economy. And surely no one can criticize or fault the administration for doing that, no matter what 
part of the political spectrum one may find himself or herself on. But sometimes an administration can be carried away by these claims, and one of the things that I think we will want to ask ourselves as we think about the implications in this set of findings and in this report is whether or not that may have followed or may have been the case in this particular instance. The Commerce Secretary, John Bryson, and his immediate associate, a subordinate in the Commerce Department hierarchy, Rebecca Blank, and some others, David Kapos, who is the director of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, all gathered at the White House two weeks ago in order to celebrate the issuance of this report, its completion, and the findings that were contained in the report. What the report does is consider several hundred industries and then select several industries amounting in all to about six dozen in which it is said that intellectual property is an intensive contributor to those industries' success. Well, I want to back away now and speak with you in a somewhat more extemporaneous way about this set of suggestions and the kinds of questions that I think we ought to want to ask ourselves as we consider them. These are big questions. They're broad questions. They're questions that anyone ought to want to ask, but we won't be able to answer them all today. The first question, again, is in what sense can it be said that an industry is intellectual property intensive? There is no actual definition of intellectual property intensive in the report, but it seems fairly clear that by intensiveness, what those who framed the report had in mind is that the industry in question is involved in an ongoing synergy with intellectual property doctrines and forms of protection. And in that sense, there is some intensity in the relationship between intellectual property, which is, of course, as you will know, or most of you will know, a field of law, and a particular or given industry. And I'll come back to that and talk about it in terms of some examples in a moment. The question whether the industry is reliant on intellectual property is, I think, probably the easiest one to respond. Anyone could be reliant upon anything that came to hand as long as what came to hand seemed, in fact, to be available and to be reliable. So, for example, the trucking industry is reliant upon roads. Now, the trucking industry, I suppose, is probably dependent upon roads. I think certainly as the trucking industry is organized, one could say that the trucking industry is dependent on roads as well as reliant on roads. And I think you would then also add that the trucking industry's relationship with roads is one in which intensity is a characteristic hallmark. But it's not quite so easy to say those things about any American industry or any industry that I am aware of in the world at large. Let's take an industry in which one might at first expect to find a considerable degree of intellectual property reliance and intensity. Let me think indeed of two such industries, not the ones that might come first to your mind, such as the motion picture industry or the recording industry, but rather two industries in which the potential for intellectual property reliance and intensity and even dependence might seem plausible to anyone who had not had reason to study or to think about the subject. 
the two industries that I have in mind are the automobile industry and the fashion industry. Now, both of those industries are industries in which innovation of a rapid, quick-moving, and highly competitive sort is needed in order to gain and hold market share. In particular, the automobile industry is reliant upon designs that will appeal to the buying public. And the fashion industry is reliant upon designs as well. And so, again, one would expect the fashion industry. And it doesn't have to be the industry characterized by so-called haute couture, but rather just ordinary, everyday clothes of the kind that ordinary, everyday people buy at places such as Target and J.P. Penney. In each of those instances, each of those industries, the automobile industries and the fashion industry, one could expect to find that designs were central, as indeed I think they are, to success. And therefore, one might expect to find that intellectual property plays a significant, indeed a signal, role. It would not be surprising to find that those industries were intellectual property dependent. There are three different sources of such protection under fairly ordinary conventional intellectual property doctrines. One could imagine relying on some versions of design patent protection, although that isn't as easy to envision as at first it might seem, but it's at least a plausible thought. Trademark protection might in fact be available and to some degree is available to some extent in the fashion industry. And, of course, there is the question whether copyright protection might be available for designs in the automobile and the fashion industry. But the point I want to make, and the point I think that I want to leave you with today, so that when we rejoin each other next month, we can begin from a common footing, is this. In neither the American automobile industry, nor in the fashion industry in this country, is there now or has there ever been any serious, organized, concerted, comprehensive, widespread plenary reliance upon design protection, not under design patent law, not under trademark law, and not under copyright law? Now, the doctrinal reasons why those propositions are true can be tedious and complex, and every year, I have the pleasure and also the duty to instruct students who are coming to the study of intellectual property for the first time about just where those complexities actually lie. We can talk about the doctrines without actually immersing ourselves fully in these particular complexities. The astonishing fact is that the automobile industry does not rely on intellectual property protection in any important way in protecting designs. And it is no less astonishing, but also no less true, that the fashion industry does not really rely, is not really able to rely on intellectual property protections in order to protect itself against people who may engage in the practice of knocking off designs and so forth and so on. In these two propositions, I mean to be understood as merely observing something which is, I think, in fact, true. But the question is, 
if those propositions are true, and do understand there are plenty of people who believe that though true, they really ought to be changed. If, meanwhile, change or none to come, if it is simply true that these industries have not relied on intellectual property protection, then one could say two things. One is that those industries are not intellectual property dependent, and also one would want to say that if they are not, then there must be some question to be raised about the issue of intellectual property necessity. Now, intellectual property necessity, a question is this. Intellectual property, to the extent that we recognize it, has many things to be said for it. But generally speaking, it is also true that unless we are very careful in allowing the sorts of protection of intellectual property doctrines in this country and more generally around the world rely on, we are likely to impede or to restrict or to interfere with innovation and competition rather than to encourage it or to provide incentives for it as generally we expect to do when IP rights are recognized. And if IP carries then two sides of its sword, one would ask why we would want to go forward quite as wholeheartedly and as cheerfully with these kinds of rights as the Commerce Department in its recent report does seem to do without having at least some reservations about whether or not those rights do make sense, whether or not those rights really are necessary. Because if those industries that I've just focused on are not dependent upon those rights, what argument can sensibly be made to extend them? I want to close by observing that this question is anticipated somewhat indirectly in the executive summary. And I want to read the part in which this whole question is addressed, and then I will close for the day and rejoin this issue when we come together next. This report, the executive summary concludes, does not contain policy recommendations and is not intended to directly advance particular policy issues. By developing new quantitative measures of IP intensity by industry, the report aims to promote a better understanding of the industries where IP plays a particularly important role. Although policy issues are not discussed in this report as a general matter, we note the importance of achieving a balanced system of IP rights that protects inventors and creators from unlawful use of their work while encouraging innovation, competition, and the markets for technology in which IP is transacted importantly, using IP rights to support innovation and creativity means recognizing the public domain and limits such as fair use, which balance the public's right to use content legally with IP owners' interests. Let's stop there for the day and plan to rejoin each other next month and pick up this question of intellectual property and its relationship to American and global industries. In what sense can it be said that intellectual property is something upon which these industries are dependent, upon which they are reliant, and in which intellectual property is intensive? I'll look forward to talking with you again. Thank you.
This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.